This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. From the Exalta studio, it's the Dale Jr. Download. Welcome to the Dale Jr. Download. The Dale Jr. lists Dale Jr. Download, but it does have Dilner. So this is Sans Dale Jr. Download? If, if you will, yeah. I'm Mike Davis, Matthew Dilner, sitting in Dale Jr.'s seat right now as Dale is gone. He is in Texas this morning. Am I uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr.? Like like Fat Dale? That. <laughs> well, you said it. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want to say that. Uh, but you know, you said it. Are you Fat Dale? Is that what you are? I am Fat Dale this, uh, today. Or is Taking he, up a lot more space on the couch than or Dale he, Jr. Or is he Skinny Dillner? Uh, Skillner? Skill- <laughs> <laughs> Dale is not here, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking right now. You're, you're, it's crossing your mind whether to go ahead and turn us off. Uh, because Don't do it. It's, it's a Dale Jr. list, Dale Jr. download. However, I will say a couple things on that. One is the first four years of the Dale Jr. download didn't have Dale Jr. on it. And some of you, not all of you, some of you did still listen to us. And secondly, we've got an idea. Schultz, we got an idea. Schultz is sitting in. Uh, Dale in might not like this. I think Dillner should prank call Dale. Yeah. Star six seven in. He's at his. He's <laughs> star six seven. How are you even old enough to even know that? Right? I don't know. Prank Dale call. Jr. is in Texas right now at his in laws, I think. Is that what you understand? Yes, which okay. he might want us to call. Right. He gets along with his in-laws. Though. I know. You can get along with in-laws your in-laws. In-laws can be outlaws. You can get along with your in-laws and still be in in-law jail. Yeah. Like, the weird thing is I actually like my in-laws. It's weird. Sure. Like, I, when they come and stay, they could stay for three weeks and it wouldn't bother me at least a bit. I'm not saying that to kiss up. They're awesome. I like my in-laws, too. However, when? I picked up hunting and this idea of getting out in the woods by myself to get away from it all at my in-laws house because that just seemed like a little too much. So Dale may want the distraction is what I'm trying to say, Dillner. You know, I, I would love to take a poll right now of how many people think Dale's actually going to pick up. Do you think he will? Okay, if we call from your poll, phone. Let's take our own poll. Okay. If, you, if, if we were to call Dale Jr. right now. As what he time take, is it in, in Texas? They're on Central Time, yep, right? Central 10, Time. 10, so. so we're recording this at 11 o'clock on Monday. So it's 10 o'clock he there. He might not be up. Oh, please. He's been up for How many hours. beers is he allowed to have at his in-laws, you think? I don't, like know, home, I don't know how many he's allowed, but I know how many he's in. I don't know how many he's allowed, but I know how many he's thinking about right now. So, of course he's up. The question is, does he answer? I think he does. Okay, we'll call from, if we call from your phone, I think he does. Oh, no, if we call from my phone, I think it should call from your phone, because if you prank call him, I want you to take the fall. No, you're taking the fall, because I'm way more fireable. Is prank calling <laughs> even a thing anymore? That's not a cool thing to do. Dude, it's we just not- did it on the 360. Is prank calling not a thing? We did you watch but, 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 but we got the most gullible person ever. I mean, like uh, second most. Yeah, it's pretty gullible. <laughs> I mean, but Dale Jr. Could you honestly prank call Dale Jr. and get away with it? Yeah, I mean, with I in, so. in the age of caller ID and everything else. I, I hope mean, he doesn't listen to this podcast after it's put up. So then we could use that as an idea and just prank all the hell out of him. Well, all right. So let's call Dale Jr. At least just to be friends. So we miss him. We're do Listen it to this. This is how much Dillner misses Dale Jr. <laughs> Dillner, I mean, Dale Jr. hadn't even arrived in Texas yet. He wasn't. He hadn't so much left Mooresville. Dillner's already sitting in a seat. Dale Jr. <laughs> it's like he never well, left. I wonder if that's even a thing that Dale Jr. would be uh, upset about. I mean, you don't sit in Dale Jr.'s seat. You know, Howard Stern has a seat. You don't touch Howard Stern's seat. We got the redhead sitting in my seat. Yeah, I still. Matthew's well, we didn't, I didn't want you to be alone on the couch, Yeah, but Mike. You're, you're a community seat over there. I didn't want you to be alone on the couch. There's many butts that have been in that I seat, I didn't want you to be lonely. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you're here, um, even though 
Dale Jr. may have a problem with it. I think we should call Dale Jr. because honestly, I got a lot to talk to him about. There is a lot of stuff this weekend, man. Uh, at that at Daytona, what, that what was, a race was ridiculous. I mean, both races were awesome. Um, I admit I only watched the cut down of the cup race because it was my wife's birthday. And for two years in a row, I've missed her birthday. So by God, this year I set myself reminders. I had friends reminding me, and I did not fail. I kicked it out of the coverage. Uh, I mean, I, I did good this you, year. What did you do? I took her out to oh I took her out to a brunch with some friends. I surprised her with that. Um, gave her a nap during the day where I took care of the kids. Mm. Uh, we went out to a movie without kids. Had to set up a babysitter. Um, did a nice dinner afterwards. Okay. Um, so it was a nice stress free day for her. So it's right, be- better than the last few years of actually forgetting it. Well, so you didn't watch the cup race. It was quite interesting. I tell you something. Uh, you know what? I'll save my thoughts on it <laughs> and see if we can get Dale Jr. on the phone. Let's do it. Dial them up. All right. Let's hit it. <laughs> Hello. Oh, he did answer. He did answer. We I thought for sure answer. he wasn't going to answer. Hey, Dale. Hey, how's it going? What are you doing? I am in Texas, and uh, we came over here Monday morning, or no, Sunday morning. It feels like, you know, when, those, when you have those Saturday night races, the next day feels like Monday. It's actually Sunday, but anyways, right. we're, yeah, we're uh, Sunday morning. We flew over here and, uh, you know, since I was been born, not all of Amy's family has been able to get to, you know, hold her meter. So we brought her out here to accomplish just that get- and uh, we'll be coming back home tomorrow. So we make sure we're back home for the Wednesday episode of, uh, NASCAR America. Winsdale, Wednesday. All right. So, so, so what's the setting on your end right now? Are you on a porch? Are you in a room? What yeah, are you where's doing? Where's Dale? I'm pacing around in the kitchen of my sister-in-law, Amy's sister. Okay. You yeah. know, she's got a cool sister. Do you get along with the in-laws? You get along with them pretty good, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So we get along. I love coming up here. Uh, Texas is just a fun state. There's, you know, there's just a lot to, a lot to do. A lot of ha- they kind of know how to how to live. <laughs> <laughs> they know how to live. Yeah. They know how to live in Texas. Texas people just kind of have a way about them that's, that that, I'm, that makes me enjoy myself when I'm here. And well, they've shown me around all kinds of places that uh, we went to Lukenbach and nice different. Yeah, different. Yeah, they've shown me a lot of Texas over the last several years, and it's really been enjoyable getting to know their from know Amy's family, and we all get along pretty good. When you're so, cruising through Lukenbach, uh, were you playing some? You know, Willie, Willie Waylon and the Waylon, boys. You know, please Luke, tell well, me. Where. As far as I know, Lukenbach is really just kind of this uh, big barn, and these there's people in there playing every day. They have a gift shop, and they have a wood stove, and everybody just kind of grabs a beer and sits around and listens to people picking on their guitars and banjos. Really? We need that yeah, here. My, How awesome Mike, is that? You would, well, it's, it doesn't work if it's not at Lukenbach. Right. <laughs> were, you th- were you about to say I would like it? Mike, you would like it, yeah. It sounds awesome. I got to say, a barn, yeah, like, a barn with a bunch of picking. Yeah, they have an amphitheater outside. So I mean, it's a historic place, I guess, where most all the old school country acts and guys would go just to hang out and play and have fun. And I really don't know that much about the history, but they took me there. I was impressed by you know how much of a throwback it is, and it, it's pretty fun hanging out there for a day. So you got out there yesterday. And you're out there showing Isla off, which it's it's time. She's what three months old, and they hadn't they hadn't met Isla. So you're on the tour day Isla out there in Texas right now. Let me ask you something, because I 
I was thinking about this back, you know, putting my own kids and going back and thinking about when they were Isla's age. Have you got comfortable letting anybody hold Isla? You know, that's completely comfortable, but it's uh, something you you need to get comfortable with. You can't. I know that it's weird or not normal for me to not want people to hold my babies. So I, especially family, you know, yeah, her, her grandparents, her aunts and uncles. And so you got to kind of loosen up a little bit. But she has reflux, so we got to keep her sort of upright as much yeah. as possible. We even, you know, we even proper kind of up on a pillow when we change her diapers, so she's not laying flat, and and so there's no chance of her having any kind of reflux problems. And so, you know, when, when you're when you're letting somebody hold her, you're kind of watching on, like, hey man, you know, kind of keep her propped up now. And uh, <laughs> everybody's and got like, that uncle that's going to screw that up. And anyways. you feel bad when they spit up on them instead of you. I don't feel bad. I don't know. Why, why would you feel bad about that? No. I, that's what I'm cheering for. Yeah, man. You wanted to hold her. You were holding her flat. It's your call. We told you, we told you not to hold her flat. You, you, you brought that on yourself. That's right. All I right. had a babysitter uh, yesterday, and uh, Annabelle spit up all over her. I'm talking not little spit up, like big and like yeah. repeatedly. And I came home, and I felt so <laughs> bad. <laughs> It's well, funny. That you've got a conscience that some yeah, some of us don't have then. That's something. Dale, the last question before we get into the race. Do you have a problem with Dillner sitting in your seat right now? Because <laughs> I mean some people would, some people wouldn't. But right now he you weren't gone but a minute and all of a sudden Dillner hopped right in your seat like like it's the Matthew Dillner download. Is there an issue with that or no? Yeah, I mean it'd be like some coming <laughs> into it'd be like walking into your house and somebody sitting in your Oh, you're lazy boy. You're reclining. Yeah. No. You're sitting in Am Dale's... I sitting your dude? Oh, that now I feel bad. Yeah. See, I do well, have man. a conscience. Yeah, you just No, I'm just I don't want to, I don't <laughs> want you to feel bad. They, hey dude, I will promise you one thing when you come back they're going to be a big old divot in your chair. Right? It's me. <laughs> Matthew, it's me. It's not you. <laughs> don't feel bad. Uh, yeah, but if it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't sit right when he gets back, Dylan, you're gonna have a lot of explaining to you, do. I'm telling you, there's gonna be a divot here. Like right. when you sleep on the I'm side of the big, bed. I'm not a big fan of that couch anyway. Just weird. I know. I'm not either. But then I all like of a it. sudden, people just they act it. like it's 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 this magical couch or something. Well, and we like, can really? get drivers it's, on it. They open up like it's like a psychiatrist's couch. We should I talk about getting our, rid of it. I, I want to change the couch and couple other things but i don't know exactly what i do so yeah that's why it's not changed luckily for you you know somebody that knows a little thing or two about interior design and decorating that's and that true kind of that's true but they always sometimes they go for visual and not the comfort mm, we got to hit all hit on all cylinders on that well that's right so all right just Dale. make sure amy if we redo this we get the wood burning stove and the beers included. <laughs> the wood burning <laughs> stove <laughs> All right, Dale. Awesome. Well, there's much to talk about. I am curious. I was actually on my own family vacation during the week. I did catch the cup race. Dillner had a, his wife's birthday, so he caught the Xfinity race, not the cup race. So we've all got these bits and pieces. But, but leaving Daytona, let's talk first as a broadcaster, second about the race itself. From a broadcasting standpoint, you're week two into your new career. I think it's now that time we can all know what our first impressions are. You know, the first week we probably probably put it all together, but now our first impressions on you as a your impressions of being a broadcaster and also fans' impressions of you as a broadcaster. What are your impressions so far uh, after two weeks? Well, we did the Xfinity race down on the pit box with Steve Latart, and I really enjoyed being in the booth 
uh, I'm new. And so it's easier for me to do the job in the booth because I, I need, I need all the things that are up there to assist me. When you're down on the pit box, you don't have a lot of the bells and whistles that the booth has. So you kind of just flying blind a little bit. And I didn't really enjoy that that much. And plus in the booth, you know, you just kind of, I don't know. I, it's like playing double Dutch and not knowing when to jump in. Mm. And so I, uh, <laughs> oh, nice. I would, uh, I would say that that made, uh, you know, that made the Xfinity broadcasts a little difficult for me, but, um, uh, Sunday or Saturday night for the cup race back in the booth had a blast. I thought everything went well. There were a couple things that I slipped up on or, or trying to, trying to remember, you know, drivers with the right, with the right car and things like that. I think I slipped up at one particular point when I was trying to talk about whether Jimmy Johnson would be considered in most popular driver award. I put Brian Blaney in his old race car, I think, but, uh, <laughs> anyways, little things like that are going to happen. You're going to make mistakes and misspeak from time to time i think one of the big ticket items i pulled away especially from doing the xfinity race and it shows up mostly on the plate tracks because everybody is going to be in the race at some point and you see how we had a lot of guys that's that don't typically run that well on the other racetracks finish well right and and we i got to do a better job or as as time goes i've got to really learn all the drivers in the field, not just the ones everybody's aware of, but all the drivers in the field. And I got some input from the people at NBC that I'm leaning on for feedback. And I felt that way myself at times during the Xfinity race and during the cup race where, you know, I think we, we got to cover everything. And there's a lot of times when I felt like that I, I didn't, uh, I didn't acknowledge, you know, say, you know, when a guy's having a good day or a guy's in the top 10, uh, Jeffrey finished 11th. We never, I never talked about him at all. I mean, there's a lot of guys that finish well that, that uh, I never mentioned. Or Every broadcast that I do, I'm going to try to find one thing in particular to work on. That would be probably what I would take away from that from this weekend. It tested you. There were some names up there I'd never heard of. And the cup race I'm talking about, even. I mean, yeah. late in the race, like DJ Kennington or Kensington or whatever his yeah. name is. And, and there was other guys. I mean, obviously, DeBenedetto, uh, those guys. I mean, there was – it almost looked like the junior varsity up there in the top ten late in the race because of the attrition of that race. I think it's important that you do that anyway on the broadcasting side. I mean, I know when I did uh, garage cam, um, I took a little flack at the beginning, and they didn't want me to cover the guys that were maybe on the third part of the garage. And really, you know, and this and that. And I'm like, no, there's if there's 48 guys in this garage, all 48 of them have a story, and uh, that story deserves to be told. And and the fact that you're recognizing. Uh, that is is a good thing for our sport. So when one of those guys is in the top ten and you know them personally and you know things about them, it's only going to enhance the sport, man. That's oh, yeah. Dale, so uh, you want to be able to get better at recognizing um, some of the, the, the lower-tier teams that are creeping up in the top ten. That's one. What else did you would you think about the weekend as a broadcaster? You know, I, felt, I, I, I feel like, you know, with plate racing, obviously we have good success there. So I went into the broadcast real confident, and I felt like that we were going to have an exciting race. Uh, we've had two great races right out of the box with NBC. Oh. That's, made, that's made the job in the booth a lot easier. We've gotten great feedback from fans and viewers about how they've enjoyed the two broadcasts, and we're going to Kentucky, uh, which will be a completely different experience, the different asphalt, different – I mean, it's going to throw some – it's going to be a different style of race, and what that race looks like, I'm not sure of. That's going to be a fun challenge. I'm interested to see if we come out of this weekend's race with the same high remarks that we've been getting 
They have been high. I'm anxious to, as soon as we got done with Daytona and got ready to leave the booth, I was ready to fly to Kentucky, get Mm. started. (laughs) And you have just nailed on what I think people are noticing about you. After two weeks, correct me if I'm wrong, Dale and Dillner, but the thing I'm seeing of people's response to Dale Jr. in the booth is that we have a true passion for racing. Now, it's not to say those other guys don't. It's not even to say the Fox people don't have a passion for racing. But Dale Jr. cheers in the booth. Does he not? I mean, he cheers. Hey, like, man. He, if, he's, he's reacting the way we react at home. If you want people to like the sport, you need to like the sport yourself has always been my, my opinion, man. So that enthusiasm, I love it. I'm trying to decide what it is, like the difference between – uh, junior and then the rest of the uh, other broadcasters and that kind of thing and um, you know like because dw he's passionate about the sport what is it different about dale jr he's new and you know what else he's humble dale i i know we're sitting here talking about you as if you're not listening <laughs> which is which is weird uh, it is but, weird but 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 uh, i i do think that your humility and, and your passion is sort of uh, taking shape and taking form. And I'm looking for things to pick apart about you, to be honest with you. I mean, that's, yeah. you got to have somebody to say, dude, you screwed that up and yep. not take offense to it. I've tried to be that guy, but so far it's, it's actually, you know, as a matter of fact, I brought up as a joke, you know, how you mispronounce words sometimes. And then yep. the, the, the overwhelming response to that was, no, that, that don't change a thing. That's what we like about it. I mean, I miss that, uh, Dale. I mean, I miss Buddy Baker in the booth. Like Buddy Baker is like probably one of my all-time favorites, even though he wasn't polished at all. Yeah, they but don't like, want polished. Yeah, People don't want polished I love to listen to Buddy Baker in the booth with TNN back in the day. I thought he was one of the most colorful people we've ever had in a booth. So, Junior, just leave the polish at home if <laughs> if you even have any. I don't have any. Uh, they're you know getting polished or getting cleaner isn't even in the back of my mind. So I'm not really don't want anybody to have to be concerned about that, but. You know, you just, I just want to always have my facts straight. I want to always tell the truth. You know, when we had some things happen this weekend in this race, and I'm sure we're going to talk about here in a bit, and the fans want you to call it straight. You know, I, I want to try to do that and, you know, hope, hope that anybody that, it, you know, that's, that's involved in the race understands that that's what the fans are asking for the broadcast is to you, for you to call it fair. And um, we had a lot of opportunities to, to do that. And I'll, continue to have opportunities to do that going forward but i like to have fun i'm a smart ass i told some of the guys that i'm sort of leaning on in the production and executive side of nbc to give me the feedback i said look you know as i get more comfortable i might get a little more snarky or or (laughs) you know be a little bit of a smart ass you know and i think that's okay just don't ever let me cross the line of being unprofessional or making the broadcast about me or or hammering on one individual too much. So, and and I told you too, Mike. So I'm getting that kind of feedback. You know, yeah. I'm asking for that. I'm asking for that feedback. Yeah. Because I don't I don't want to step over any lines. The other feedback I'm asking, and I've asked this from several people that are watching, and you as well, Mike, is anything annoying? If I ever do anything that's going to be annoying, that I that is a habit that I want to know about it so I can break it before it gets harder and harder to break. But I'm just going up there and reacting to what I see and. I'm going to watch these races anyways. I'm going to tune in. I'm going to I'm ex, I'm going to be excited to tune in whether I'm sitting at home or whether I'm going to be in the booth. I'm going to watch these races anyways and and I, you know, I love watching the race with Latard and and Jeff and Rick and we're up there just pun- punching each other in the arm and and slapping each other on the back and and you know, loving being able to watch the races, you know. And we see there's a lot of stuff 
that's going on in that booth. And there's a lot of reactions to what's happening in the race that actually don't make air because they have a lot of things that they have to do outside of me and Jeff talking about the action. They got a lot of things. They got to go down the pit road, run through a couple pit reporters down there that are going to give us some information about what's happening on the racetrack or in pits. They got a lot of things they got to cycle through that are already planned and implemented into the broadcast. So we have these windows where we get to talk about what we're seeing. And when those windows are closed, there's still a lot happening up there that we're, you know, we're still watching the race and excited and having fun and entertained. Yeah. I love the camera. They, I know they don't always go to it, but maybe later in the week when the social media team gets a hold of that footage, they, they, they've cut a video or two here and there. And I've noticed yeah. some of the cameras are your reaction. They are hilarious, man. <laughs> you, you are you are really like jumping up and down. You're you're kind of, yeah, you're poking shoulders. You're, you're doing all those things. It's hilarious to watch. Yeah. No, I mean, we have a good time. So, and Burton and those guys have been such good uh, friends to me. You know, we already were pals, but we didn't, hang out you know and now we're hanging out so we go to the production meetings together you know if there's a production meeting we all on the text together hey man let's all ride together to the production meeting let's all ride together to dinner yeah we want to you know be together and hang out and be around each other and build that build that relationship and and then we get up in the booth and we just all love to watch the race so this race bud i'm telling you man i am basking in the fact that we've gone two weeks of optimism uh, you know, the negative Nancy's have been just removed from timelines. It's like people are actually talking about how awesome races were for two weeks in a row. I don't know how long that sustains. I don't know. But I am just basking in the fact that Daytona was never going to disappoint. It's a restrictor plate track. Okay. So so we got lucky there. But the fact is, is that two weeks I've just enjoyed how the racing has just left us entertained from start to finish. I'm not even talking about the last 10 laps. I'm talking about from the beginning. We have Ricky Stenhouse to thank for a big part of that. But we also have some great talent, young drivers, old drivers. So let's talk about the race. Just how incredible was it to watch? And what were your takeaways from the action on the track? Well, I mean, you know, the, the big crashes take out a lot of contenders. There's a, it's a double-edged sword. It's, it's, you know, it creates drama and it creates opportunity for other drivers. And that's ultimately what we saw at the end of the race, but it also takes out the contenders that you want, that you're, you know, you, you're, you really want to see, uh, in the middle of the action all night. So it's, it's like, oh man, you know, wow, that was crazy to see that action and that crash. And what, look at that, man, that was, wow, you know, it's yeah. a big crash. And what's happened? What's going to happen from here on out? And then you you see the cars that are knocked out of the race, and you're a little disappointed that you're not going to be able to watch those guys duke all night long. You know, the concern I guess is as the field gets thinner, guys don't you know the racing may suffer, but it didn't. They mm. continued to they continued to work hard and and battle for the lead and trying to put themselves in position to win the race all night long. So we never had much of a lull in the action. You know, Ricky had a tough night. He made some moves that. Uh, created some accidents. You could hear the remorse and regret in his voice when we did the post after he won the stage, the interview. You could tell that he was disappointed in how that all worked out, maybe disappointed in himself uh, that he's, you know, that he crashed a bunch of cars. I've been in that situation before, and I know what that feels like. And if you're going to be a plate racer that's going to try to win and be aggressive, you're going to sometimes make mistakes and you're going to sometimes those mistakes are going to cost a lot of people some big problems. I turned Vickers in almost in front of the whole field. They told yep. 500 yeah. in the back straightaway. Yep. And, uh, it's his I, fault. 
I incorrectly bump drafted Marcus Ambrose at a test in January and tore up everybody's brand new Speedway cars they've been working on all off off season. I wrecked about mm. you know a dozen cars there. So I mean that's just two of a few instances where uh, I've been part of something like that, and and it's embarrassing. You got you know the best. I think the best move is to admit you know own your role in the whole thing. And, you know, so people know that you realize what has happened and what what you did, make an adjustment and move forward. You know, if you're going to be in this sport a long time, you'll mend the relationships with the drivers over time. And uh, everybody, all the drivers, though, they know the kind of person that Ricky is. And he's he's a nice guy. He's an approachable guy. They'll all probably go up to him or at some point or another and tell him, you know, knock it off a little bit. But at the same time, Ricky doesn't need to lose that edge that, did take him to two wins last year in Daytona and Talladega. He needs to keep that, you know, kind of mentality that he has to race hard and work hard to get those get those wins at those two tracks because he apparently has a, a knack for plate racing that he obviously won a couple stages and up until the end was a contender to win the race. You, you kind of touched on something there, Dale, that I wanted to ask you about because, I mean, back in the day you had like Swerve and Irvin and, and you know, you, you've had the popularity and you haven't really had too, too much heat on you when, you when you've had incidences happen. But for a guy like Ricky, you know, social media wasn't around back with Ernie Irvin and all that stuff. Man, he's taking a bath on social media by some people and all the nicknames sure. and the Ricky Stenhouse and all. What do you think it's like as a driver right now hearing all that? You got to keep your edge. You just said it. But it's like it's a different world now because you're hearing the criticism so much more. Yeah, absolutely. Social media is almost a blessing and a curse. You have to, I mean, if you are going to be a part of social media and enjoy the uh, positives that come out of it, you're going to have to know that the negatives are going to be a part of that as well and part of that experience. And I think that the best you know, thing he can do is just not, you know, just avoid social media and try to not bring, you know, not allow that to come into his uh, life over the next several days, maybe weeks even. The great thing about today, even though social media is tough at times, the great thing about today is the news cycle is short. So in a week, we're going to be talking about something completely different. Sure. And nobody's going to give a damn about what happened to Ricky Stenhouse at Daytona. I mean, he's going to get ragged about this, and people are going to give him a hard time for a while, but nobody's going to be hammering on him in about six or seven days because we're going to be talking about something else that happened at Kentucky. That's the great thing about it is just be patient when you're in the doghouse because the news cycle is so short you'll be out of it in no time. Yeah, but before he even had a chance to get to it, I mean, I remember you – I'm trying to think what the race was, uh, you know, where you started carrying the guilt of it before the race was even over. And so, like, you know, the struggle of getting over the fact that you just caused a big wreck and cost a lot of people money. You, you remember Charlotte when, when you and Michael Waltrip wrecked on the front stretch and, Pop, yes. and Pops went all, <laughs> he went all Yuri on, <laughs> on, on the cameras after the race. And I think that was 2005. We'd just gone through that crew chief change. I vaguely remember you already kind of feeling remorse and the race wasn't even over, and you have to still race. I mean, so Ricky Stenhouse causes two wrecks. Do you think that Ricky is already feeling bad about that, or is he? Is it hard to focus on the race at that point? You could hear the remorse in his voice when we interviewed him after the second stage. Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. And I and, and I definitely knowing Ricky and knowing that he's a good-hearted guy. You know, he's got a good, you know, he's got a good heart, and I could I know that he felt bad about that, which you makes know, him could, easy to forgive. Right? Yeah, so. I forget. I would forgive him. I mean, even if I wasn't in the crash, you know, and it's not fun banging around and crashing at a plate track, mm. 
And especially when you get, you know, you're, it's nothing that you could have done to avoid it. It's very frustrating. And you could hear that in the drivers when they did their interviews at the media in, at the infield care center, you could hear the frustration of being out of, you know, that being out of their hands, them being, them being unable to control their own fate in that situation. And they were all frustrated with Ricky. But I mean, if you know the guy, I, I, if I was in that crash, I'd be pissed off. But then after a couple of days, I'd be like, you know, well, I'd text him and say, Hey man, did you learn anything? <laughs> right. You know, tell me you learned something and, and we'll be good. Yeah. So, okay. My question to you, we had Casey Kane up there. You had a green, white checkered restart. You had names up there that were racing for the win that may not have that chance uh, if, if a lot of these other cats had not been wrecked out. Yeah. You had Kevin Harvick, who was in the wreck earlier. And Eric had, Jones was in that wreck, and, and, uh, the last 65. Yeah, you had guys that were in the wrecks, counted them out. Now they're back in the top ten. Now they're racing for the win. You got Eric Jones. Uh, Truex was just remarkable to watch. He went from the back. He went from having lost the draft to single-handedly going up into the top five like it was nothing. Okay, so what did you expect in the final restart, and did it play out like you thought it would? It it, it started out like I thought it would. Then Martin chose correctly on the restart, and he got the lead and got clear. But I was surprised that Casey Kane was able to get the run on Martin that he did. Mm. Casey, t- Casey had a good run, mm-hmm. jumped on his quarter panel, that that right there made it anybody's race. Mm-hmm. Once them two guys began to side draft, because uh, as soon as Casey jumped out there and got on his quarter panel, he didn't have enough of a momentum and a strong enough side draft to clear Martin, and Martin side drafted him back. So both basically both of them had knocked a lot of speed out of their cars in that little situation coming off turn two, and so they were they were going to have their hands full with the rest of the field, and that's in that's basically what happened. And the bottom never really organized really really good all night long. You could tell that the top was getting the top was able to stay together and be a little tighter and have the ability to get runs better. So that's what it looked like to me at the end, uh, particularly with the teammates of the 37 and 47 working together and uh, Chris Busher and Almendinger. They worked really well together to get the top organized and uh, give Jones that opportunity to get pushed out front. So it was just, uh, you know, I didn't see anything that surprised me, but. I thought with with Martin once he got clear in one and two that he was going to be he was going to be in good shape, but didn't work out that way. Now Eric Jones boy, that Jones boy from wherever <laughs> he is, that Jones boy man, wow, how impressive was he? I mean, first of all, if you go back to the restart before the last one, him pushing Truex. Well, you had Harvick and Boyer teammates on the bottom. They couldn't even get connected. The teammate—that's what you had thought was going to happen, right? That Jones boy goes and, and pushes Truex out to the lead, and then all of a sudden rends the thing at the end. I mean, what are your thoughts on Eric Jones? Um, my thoughts on Eric Jones are—he um, came out of super late model racing with a with a lot of respect uh, from people that had never raced against him. Coming in the Xfinity series and having kind of Kyle Busch's endorsement, a lot of people just really respected his talent. I think that he has, you know, in the Xfinity series showed what he's capable of or what he's going to be capable of one day. We got in the Cup series. It was kind of a, you know, kind of an odd situation with him going to uh, Furniture Row and a, a brand new second team. Those always seem to, those type of teams that they kind of, you know, start from scratch or build from scratch tend to take a couple years, uh, but that was like a one-year experience for him. I thought he did really well, you know, in a situation like that that was a bit challenging. Even though, I mean, he had great cars and he's with great people, it's just it takes a while for teams like that to sort of set root 
he moves over to the 20 car and, uh, you know, that, I think people expected that to take off right away. You know, uh, it hadn't really been the year. I don't think Eric's Eric was hoping for, but we were all, we all knew it was just a matter of time before he got a win. I didn't think he would come at a plate track. I thought he'd probably win in a, you know, mile and a half somewhere, but a win is win no matter where it's at. And this kind of thing that will give him confidence and settle his, you know, settle his mind a little bit, um, going forward. Once you get that first one out of the way, it seems like it, you know, it, it, you know, it becomes a little bit easier to expect the next one and put, put that together and, and start to, you know, start to build your career. The career that we all think he's capable of is right there in front of him. Can I just say that? Can I just say though, thank you for bringing out the mullet comment. I mean, yeah, when, damn straight. When everybody's thinking it, I mean, everybody's well, thinking he's, it. He's proud of it, and uh, <laughs> he, he owns he it. He should be. He wears it. Yeah, <laughs> he certainly owns it. Um, he's a nice, you know, he's a great guy. I don't really know him really, really well, but he he's no controversy. Goes about his business. Loves to race wants to do well he applies himself you know he he works hard for his opportunity i like the fact that he you know just kind of sticks to what he knows and drives race cars and you know he's he has a little fun on social media doesn't mind showing his personality a little bit i think that'll get better and better as he gets more and more years in the cup series a little bit more under his belt and uh you know you got to do that that's not the most important thing winning races is but you got to be able to showcase your personality fans you know want to come to the racetrack and watch you got to get to know you that's a great way for them to do that and he you know you can tell that he does all his own social media you know he doesn't have a pr handler somebody in the background doing all that and so that's you know it's fun he's he's a fun follow on twitter and get that's the best place uh, best way to really get to know a lot of these drivers is to see what they're doing during the week and he don't mind sharing a little bit and their haircut you know people through their twitter and their haircut and that's how we know Eric Jones. And now he's a winner of Daytona. All right, Dillner, do you want to go to Ask Junior, or do you have any other questions? Man, Junior, I do you have any other ask, comments? I want to ask something because, okay. you know, we, we always get caught up in cu- talking about Cup, and that Xfinity Series finish was spectacular. Yeah. Uh, but then there was a rule deal that, you know, came into play, and, and for some it seemed like there was split opinions on it. Um, the rules are a rule. Uh, but then there was a lot of people that were dogging on the rule. Really? Uh, yeah, and and oh. I, I I think they got it personally. I think they got it right. But they's a NASCAR junior. What do you think, man? Because it was it was definitely a fifty fifty split. It looked like in in some ways. Yeah, when he crossed the finish line, my initial reaction was he didn't break the spirit of the rules, so give him the win. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't take advantage of that rule to win the race. Um, I got you. And I know as a race car driver, his when he sees those cars sort of hammering on each other on the right side the natural reaction is to move away from them so i kind of thought that he did that kind of unconsciously i just don't you know initially if it was if i was up in the booth i probably would have called it a fair pass but after looking at the replay over and over and over and thinking about the integrity of the sport and how that needs to be governed for the longevity and the future credibility of the sport. They made the right, they made the call per the way the rule book's written. So if you're going by the rule book, they made the right call, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't, it doesn't end there. I don't like, I hate that we have to see an exciting finish like that and then have to rewrite the finish by, by the rule in the rule book. What everybody witnessed and that extent, what everybody saw has to be untied and undone and repackaged because of a rule in the rule book. And so for me, there that's where I think we need to focus is to, how can we change that rule, alter that rule, or get rid of that rule so where we never have to deal with this. So this never never has to happen again, you know? 
that to me would be the best outcome of all this is to fix it to where we never have to worry about this and we never have to tell fans nope that guy, that guy didn't win this guy won mm. and that would be what i would be working toward if i was in the situation that, to have any influence i'd be trying to fix fix it or change it to where this was never an issue going forward yeah because nobody likes to see a rule suck the energy out of a sport and, and yeah. you know that that's what I think you're hitting on. But the rule was the rule, and I think they got it right based off of that. But this rule was created for a reason, man. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you were in that era of why yeah. this rule was created. And I think there's a percentage of people out there that also don't understand that aspect of it. I would say, yeah. I mean, we know why the rule was created, but I, I think you could argue that has the rule really made a difference. I mean, we're still crashing. Yeah. We're still wrecking. Um, the rules created crashes that wouldn't have probably happened had the rule not been there. Um, wow. So, I mean, there's, Do you see that differently now that you're out of the seat a little bit or, or no? I saw it. I, I saw it this way before. I mean, that, you know, the yellow line, uh, any rule can be taken advantage of and as a driver you know you can you can be on both sides of it you can you can use the yellow line to keep a guy behind you or uh, force a guy from being able to make a move that he's you know a run that he's put together and developed so i mean I, I think that you could argue that the rule has maybe not made that situation better you know the rule came in to try to keep guys from going underneath down on the apron and, and driving into the side of each other, going in the corner and causing these big crashes. Um, we still that's what happened had, to you and Vickers. Well, we we still had a crash. Sim, you know, we still had a crash that was a car under another car entering turn one down in, at the Xfinity race. The guy came down across his nose. Yeah, yeah, with Tiff. Um, I mean, those those crashes still happen. Yeah, yellow line or not. Um, and then there's other crashes that happen. Because of the yellow line, because of guys trying to force each other into that yellow line, getting forced underneath that yellow line. I don't know whether the yellow line's doing enough good. What was I guess. The, what was the conversation we had after the Talladega race just a few months ago in this room? Dale Jr., you had been talking to Steve O'Donnell. I'm trying to remember back. You had been talking to Steve O'Donnell. And there was a big controversy over this, and this was the February Daytona. Oh, February yes. Daytona. That's exactly right. That's exactly right, and. You had a very strong position on it, and I thought it was for consistency in black and white. Am I wrong? Am I remembering that wrong? Yeah. I mean, the thing that I learned in February is that as a human being, we're all going to interpret this rule differently. Right. Even if you try to write it pretty straightforward in the rule book, visually when it happens and it, you know, we see it, we see cars and drivers making decisions and doing things, we're all going to interpret what those drivers did, what they what they were attempting to do, what they were mentally thinking, everyone's going to have a different opinion. And so when we try to go about whether that rule was broken or not, we're all going to have a different opinion. Really, ultimately, I came down to let's just get rid of the line. We're still wrecking. It's not like this line is completely wiped wrecking off the face of the map. Let's just get rid of the line, and, and we won't have to argue this point anymore, and we won't have to worry about taking wins away from these, you know, the, the drivers and stuff like that when they three to 10 inches underneath that line or whatever. So I don't really know what the right answer is. It isn't good. Uh, what happened at the end of that race, you know, we have an awesome finish. Everybody's excited. Two guys sitting there doing burnouts and then one gets told he's not the winner. Oh, I know, uh, right? That's not awkward. We <laughs> yeah, we can't have that, man. We just can't have that. So, I mean, let's just get rid of, let's just get rid of the possibility of having that happen again. 
Mm-hmm. So the, NASCAR's in a tough spot, man, because it's like you're either going to have, Dale, you're going to have gloves off, balls and strike call, or consistency, which is what they, they ruled upon on the, yeah. in this case. So that's yeah. – Yeah, it's a good race, though. Dang good the history, history of the yellow line rule, uh, this guy, NASCAR man on Twitter, put this uh, video together. I, th- I encourage everybody to go watch that because it's interesting how, to see how that rule seems to have evolved uh, over time. And um, you'll see in some of those instances where that yellow line rule is, you know, part of the reason why maybe that crash happened. So mm. it's an interesting conversation. I, I just hope, you know, I really hope that NASCAR can make a change where we never have to have that type of finish again. That's a weird thing to have to call from the booth. Yeah. And you're trying to explain to anyone who's maybe tuning in for the first time why this is happening is nearly impossible. Mm. And and not a lot of fun. It's not a yeah. fun story to tell. It's it worse isn't. for the people in the grandstands. I mean, you know, I, I look at it like a, hey. when you see a, a – uh, the, the orange cone or the, the orange box rule where somebody dips down and hits it and there's an infraction. The guy sitting in turn two and three, uh, to one and two, doesn't understand that when they're sitting in the grandstands. On TV, they could at least I represent it a little. I guarantee you the finish of that race didn't give many people the warm and fuzzies who were watching. So. <laughs> Man, we just need to get rid. Of, we just need to get rid of that potential. You know, that being a potential ending to any race, whatever that need, whatever we need to do to get rid of that, we need to try. I'd be down for that. Let them have the pavement. Wherever it's paved, you can Close go. Off, right? man. Yeah. Real quick, let's do an exalted race center update. We'll be right back. This is your exalted race center update. I'm Matthew Dillner. At Daytona International Speedway, the sparks flew, the carnage grew, and the driver to visit Cup Series victory lane was well new. Eric Jones rebounded from damage in a lap 65 incident and held off veteran Martin Truex Jr. to grab his first career cup win. In Xfinity Series action at Daytona, a daring last lap move by rookie Justin Haley had his number 24 crossing the finish line first. But wait, NASCAR ruled that his car went out of bounds during the process, handing the win to Cup Series regular Kyle Larson. Larson edged junior motorsports driver Elliot Sadler at the line by five thousandths of a second to score the win. This week, the truck, Xfinity, and Cup Series will get their giddy-up on at Kentucky Speedway for a Thursday, Friday, Saturday triple header. The junior motorsports late model team will hit the high banks of Kingsport Speedway on Saturday night for a 125 lapper at the Tennessee Bullring. This has been your Exalta Race Center update. Exalta is the official paint partner of NASCAR developing, manufacturing, and supplying coatings to all types of vehicles and industrial applications. For more on Exalta, please visit ExaltaCS.com. It's time for Ask Junior. I got a a question. You have a question for me? Hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag AskJunior. All right, do we have some Ask Junior questions this week, Matthew Dillner? Yeah, man, I mean, why not kick off with the guy with the Twitter handle, Big Dog. Oh, it's a big... <laughs> I mean, Big Dog. You get a question from a guy named Big Dog. You want to take it, man. Um, and this uh, to you, Dale, is how much fun has it been working with Mike Tirico, uh, one of the most knowledgeable oh. people in broadcasting? Awesome. I told Mike Tirico that him being there made that event feel bigger mm-hmm. and more important. That's what we need as a sport. Um, he raised he raised the profile of that race by, by being there and helping us kick that broadcast off. And He's just a real nice guy. Uh, he's, you know, he enjoyed his his uh, afternoon and experience at the track, and he's been really supportive and helpful to me uh, joining NBC and trying to get into the broadcast booth and become a broadcaster. He's been very helpful. So 
uh, just a real nice all all around guy that's it's great to hang out with. All right, uh, David chiming in and asking, uh, have you ever been escorted out of a racetrack by a state trooper like like Ricky Stenhouse? <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. That was weird. Um, yeah, I wonder. I don't know how that happened. I wonder how that happened. Who called those state troopers? Or who called those policemen to come do that? Um, sounds if I mean, if we were at the Texas Motor Speedway, you'd assume they had did that. <laughs> I've got a theory on that. Yeah, I've got a theory. So, I, I, I we maybe been... Eddie Gossage called that in from Texas. <laughs> but maybe, <laughs> maybe drive on over and ask him, man. Do, Dale, but, you know, th- there have been many times. I think that was just a timing situation where a, a photo was taken. There have been many times when Dale Jr. would get out of the car, and you got some really eager cops that uh, are, are are there for a, a reason for protection, but they also, you know, make it look like the Secret Service. And that w- we had that a lot, to be honest with you. And and we would say, guys, we we're fine. We don't need any help. And they're like, yeah, but there's a lot of fans. Yeah, we got it. We. We've gone through a sea of fans before. It's not a big deal. Uh, we don't like this look, uh, but this is uh, – so, yeah, you know, stand down. <laughs> I, I'm not so sure that the – I don't think anybody called, certainly on Stenhouse's team, for help. This is just my theory, that these were just, you know, some police officers that thought they were doing good in a situation, and somebody happened to snap a photo of it. But but going back to the question, man, have you ever been – I mean, from your late model days to, to – you know, Bush series or whatever. Have you ever been ex- escorted out of a track? I have not. Um, Good boy. I've never. <laughs> I've uh, yeah. I mean, I've I've had some I've had some situations where I might have might have needed an escort, but never never had one. I um, well, I think one this this goes way way back. But we had a we ran a late mile race at Hickory Motor Speedway and got into uh, some controversy and had all the whole grandstands pissed off at us. There was a guy that was running the the race director, basically. I knew who the guy was because he'd come up to the dealership and I'd change oil in his car. And so <laughs> he he's uh, black flagged me. I got waved. I got waved by uh, by a lap car before restart. And I'm running fourth, and they're coming down to like the last twenty laps of this race. And I'm in fourth place, having a freaking career day, and at historic Hickory Motor Speedway. This lap car weighed me by, and I'm still not even behind the guy in third. I'm still got a couple lap cars in between me and him, and I didn't pass them because they didn't wave me by. Well, we throw the green flag, and then like we had another caution come out like ten laps later. Well, they said they come up to me at the under the caution. It was a red flag, and they said you got to go to the back for passing under that last yellow. And I'm like, we done run ten laps, and there's another yellow. Y'all were y'all were black flagging me for something happening earlier in the race. Yep, go to the back. Mm. Uh, you pass this guy under yellow. I'm like, he waved me by. And so <laughs> I pulled the car into the pits. I said, screw it, and flipped off the booth. <laughs> uh, I walked I walked out in the middle of the pit road, and I flipped off the booth, and I was trying to flip that guy off. And I think the fans all thought that I was flipping him <laughs> off. <laughs> and so they started booing me. They were really pissed <laughs> off about that. Wow. And so that would have been a good time to have an escort uh, to get out of that place. <laughs> Because we were a little nervous. We were racing at Myrtle Beach every weekend, and it was really competitive with the fans. If you were a local at another track and mm-hmm. came to their track to beat their hot shoes or race against their guys, they looked at you as the uh, opposing team, not the home team. You know, and you, you it was very it was very hard to, I mean, you know, they, they typically, and especially with the last name Earnhardt, you're going to have some, you know, people that like you and dislike you automatically. But if you were a lo- you know, if you were a local from another track coming into uh, someone else's racetrack, they looked at you as the opposing team and 
hey, this guy's coming in here to think he's going to outrun our guys. Ain't, you know, ain't no way. So it was tough, but that was a wild, that was a wild day. All right. Justin Payne wants to know, uh, with your peaked interest in cycling, will you uh, be sitting down or have you sat down and watched some of the Tour de France? You know, it's interesting that the, that's a great question. I watched the Tour de France last year for the first time since I became a cyclist. And there's things that I know about cycling now that I didn't know before. So you're watching these guys and they're, you're seeing these cyclists while they're riding do things. And now these things make sense. And there's a lot of things that you didn't even notice they're doing until you become a cyclist. So, you know, with just hydrating or eating and changing gears or drafting and not drafting, leading, when to lead, all those things, it all sort of makes a lot more sense now having been a cyclist or having rode, you know, rode with several guys and understanding how the draft works and uh, all those things. So now, and, and two, you know, I've learned about the bikes, you know, what all makes these bikes work. So when I look at, when I'm watching them race, I'm looking at their bikes and seeing if there's anything new or uh, where's it, what's their, what's their position, their seat position, what's their handlebar position, what are they doing with their hands and all those things. And so where, how, what's the stance they're riding in? There's a lot of things that you watch that I never would have even thought about or knew about before last year so yeah i watch it i watch it really just i'm not so much watching it pulling for a specific individual i don't really know if i care where anyone finishes but uh it's just to watch these guys and knowing how hard that is knowing what they're putting their bodies through it's fun it's it's pretty impressive well this is some good stuff dale the last question we have and it's from me and matthew do you miss us uh, even a little bit just a little bit. <laughs> I, I do, do i know you? it's not it's not the same as being there in person and obviously, if I'm on the phone, this means that we're probably not going to have the, the TV portion or TV episode, the spinoff of, uh, uh, on Thursdays. So I wish I was there so we could be able to deliver uh, the video on Thursday for, NAS, you know, for NBC. But uh, I'm going to be out of town some on Mondays throughout, periodically throughout the year. Uh, I want to call in so that we can put together a, a podcast for everyone and keep our listeners engaged and i'm glad you guys called me up today so we could talk about what all happened this past weekend it was a wild weekend family first family first my man family first that's right (laughs) yeah have a good time with the uh in-laws and out in luke and bach picking some guitars in the beat in the barn (laughs) (laughs) y'all got any plans tonight what are you gonna do tonight we're, uh, it's raining right now, so uh, that's supposed to get out of here after a while. We got some more family coming over today, and uh, it's going to be a full house. We'll probably be grilling some food and hanging out, man. I don't know. With these kids, uh, you don't just jump up and go to Lukenbach anymore. <laughs> that's right. Um, right, right. You're going to chuck your cheese. You kinda, yeah, you kind of just – these, these kids keep you grounded and keep you at the house a lot more often, so we'll probably just enjoy the day here once the rain moves out. Who's the kid we hear in the background? Um, that's Adlin. That's my that's Amy's niece. I got you. All right. Well, cool. Yep. So we got Adlin on the on the show this week. Yeah. So that's she's she's a trip. We got a house full of kids here. <laughs> All right, brother. Listen, man, we miss you. Safe travels back. Enjoy your time out there, and we'll catch up with you when you get back. Looking forward to Kentucky this weekend, seeing you in on NBC Sports. All right, man. I'll see you Wednesday. I'll be back home. All right, buddy. See you. Bye. You know, Dale mentioned Hickory, and right before that, he had mentioned something about the race in Daytona, and I just – and he mentioned making a mistake on the broadcast, and I realized I, I made a mistake. I've been so wrapped up in this stupid wife birthday thing. Not that my wife's birthday is stupid. Well done. But well done. when he mentioned Hickory, I realized I didn't miss the race because my wife's birthday. I've been just so consumed by it. I decided last minute to go to Hickory Motor Speedway yeah. and bring my kid 
to watch the demo derby and I'm getting texts from my wife saying you went to the demo derby but you're missing the demo derby and she's sending me pictures of the TV screen there's cars sparks everywhere oh she, she was watching Daytona she was watching Daytona yeah and I was at a I mean awesome demo they had autocross and demo derby and it was monster trucks it was redneck gold Donor, is there ever a weekend where you are completely deprived of racing? Um, my, TV if my or wife live? had anything to do with it, yes. Which no, no, she does, but that's actually. not what I asked. Okay. Uh, when is the last time you went all weekend without thinking about racing? Thinking about racing, that's impossible. Like, or, or, or being watching it or consuming. Con- consuming is a better question because thinking okay, about consuming. it, I can't When is go the last weekend you did not go Friday, Saturday, or Sunday without consuming some in some form a race? I'd say my honeymoon, but it was in December, so there was n- not much racing going on anyway. But your honeymoon? What, how long have you been married? Uh, oh God, seven, you don't know. seven years. <laughs> so you're saying that you've gone every weekend for seven years, well, at least? I mean, I was probably still thinking about racing then too. I'm weird during your honeymoon. Probably, oh no, bit. you're ate up with it. I'm telling you, I, you, you are a racer. You love it. That's good. That's good, and I'm glad you're good at what you do because uh, it all it all works out well for us. <laughs> hey, I love racing. We talked about Dale in the booth, and and that was just you know I'm not saying that because you know kissing butt, but seriously, you know when you have somebody that has a passion for something, and that comes out to the fan, you know that's a good thing. You listen to MRN like I I, I listened to the end of that Daytona race coming back from Hickory, and you listen to Moody and all those guys, and they're amped up on that last few laps and it makes you a fan it makes you excited so for for dale to do that in the booth not that any of the other guys aren't excited or passionate about it but that's a good thing there's plenty of people that are as passionate uh, and excited about the racing here's what i think it is and i'm glad we're having this conversation with dale not on the phone because this would have made it more (laughs) awkward is like right now our sport is in dire need of an advocate that has some pull or influence. Damn there's straight. a lot of advocates, but there's none that ha- that, that are, are as influential as Dale. And Dale is honestly, that makes him perfect, the perfect advocate for the sport. And so and his advocacy comes through his passion and his fandom of the sport. So this is yeah. where I think that you draw the differences between Dale and a Daryl Waltrip. Daryl Waltrip is uh, very passionate about racing. It's his entire life, right? But the stars aren't aligned for that type of advocate. DW can't go carry the torch for NASCAR right now. DW is not going on Fallon, and and he's got an inner inner industry respect and advocacy, whereas Dale right now still has, and we we hope will continue to have, an advocacy that reaches uh, within the, the, the world of social media to pop culture, uh, to I mean, heck, he was Rolling Stone magazine back in the day. The reach is further than yeah. the the inner circle of our sport. We're starved for it. Yeah. We're starved for have somebody carry the torch and be the advocate for racing and quit crapping on our sport so much. Don't make I it. Mean, don't get me started. I, on that. I mean, like this just it's, 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 it's around us. It's around <laughs> us. Everybody wants to knock it down and yep. look at a TV rating and knock it down, and yet it's it's kind of refreshing. To one, have two good races in a row. That's the first thing. But then also have Dale Jr. sort of advocating for it based off his fandom and passion. It's not BS. People are are, are sick of BS and fake and, and, and all this the, the things that they are hit with, whether it's through their politics or whether it's through their sports. 
Dale Jr. brings this pure uh, p- passion and fandom about it, and it's a really nice advocate for what NASCAR is and still can be moving forward. And I think the stars are just aligning. The NBC thing, this is where it's so wonderful. Now, maybe he's going to show me reasons why I should be passionate about it. Yeah, I don't think Dale Jr. needs an exciting finish, he, even though he's, been, he's had two. I don't think he needs one to be excited about it. I've always said, and it's something I've kept close to my vest sometimes, but if you call our sport like a golf game, and I talked to Rick Allen about this when he was run, uh, doing the Truck Series broadcast because I always think Rick's good at getting up in moments where he's uh, announcing somebody passing for an eighth-place position and his voice, his vocals get up. He's excited about it. And to me, if you call our sport like a golf game, what, what is it going to do for the fan that's not a racing fan that's tuning in? No, you should be excited. These guys are like inches apart. I know this sounds cliche, but inches apart, 170, 80 miles per hour, you know, on yeah. the edge, man. And it's like you got to make it exciting for the fans, you know, without being fake. But, you know, that's what's good about that deal. Dale Jr. brought up one thing about – not wanting to be annoying. Is that what he said? Was yeah. that the word he used? Yeah. Or, 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 or pick up annoying habits. Do you <laughs> do you have one? Do you think, have you noticed anything With about annoying habits? Yeah. Because myself, I got a trillion of them. No, no, we've noticed your annoying habits. <laughs> we know those. I'm talking about Dale as wait, a broadcaster. Da- wait, wait, hold on. Here's Mike Davis's annoying habit. Ready? That's a clicky pen. But and I guess who did it today? today. Guess no, who did, did it today? I did. You did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I my my thought, my honest thought on that is I <laughs> I could see I, I, I it's hard to speak for Rick Allen or Steve Latarder, Jeff Burton, and uh, but I'm gonna attempt to. I could see it if I'm them being annoyed at Dell Jr. How do I say this? You have all raced Rick Allen calls the last two ra- uh, laps of every race. Yeah. And you've built up for this moment. If I'm Rick Allen, if I've got in my head how I'm going to call this last two laps, or if I'm calling it, do you want the interruption? Do you want that guy? Now, we love it. We love it. That's the one thing. I don't notice any annoying habits of Dale from a fan perspective. I wonder if there's any annoying habits that he could develop for his peers. As long as you're not taking over the call, no. Because if, yeah. you're, if you're just going, oh, boy, and reactions are, are different than a call. You know why I think about it? It wasn't from anything he's done this year. It was when he was doing the fill-in broadcast, and I think it was Talladega. Tal- yeah. And he absolutely overtook the, the, the call when there was a wreck. I, I, or maybe it was the shootout. That's, well, that's okay. what it was. It was the shootout race at Daytona. Yeah. What do y'all remember that? I remember him doing it, but I don't. Remember I remember him absolutely. He was and there was a wreck or something like Ken Squire esque. <laughs> like he didn't know about stepping on toes, nor did he care. He He's was going to go. He's a right. racer. Yeah, he so, wasn't a broadcaster, well, and I don't th- want him to become a broadcaster. I don't know. Anyway. I, th- that would be one thing I'm kind of sort of paying attention to. But you know what? The beautiful thing about that group is their chemistry. If there's anything he's developing that it's annoying, they'll tell him. <laughs> there's not like it's going to be. Go- it's unsaid. And you're sort of honest with him. I'm very honest with him. <laughs> I really am trying to find things that I, as an objective viewer, would want to see out of him. And to be honest with you, that's why I'm glad he doesn't a have lot, a catchphrase. NBC uses exactly. Exactly. You know what else? I don't want it, him to become a cliche. That's right. And, which is why he didn't want to do those T-shirts last week, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, he didn't want to start marketing. Although NBC came out with some T-shirts. Yeah, they did. Fun. But the, the fact is, is that uh, we didn't get any. NBC wants Dale to be Dale. They say this over and over again, so much so that it sounds like a broken record and it almost sounds cliche. Dale, just be yourself. Now I realize after two races that... I, I don't want anything else. I don't want him saying signal. I want him to continue saying single. And I don't want him to say ambulance. ambulance. Uh, he says ambulance. And, I, and, and, and whatever other words he botches and butchers up, 
keep doing that because I think that's what we need. I think that's what we need because that's an advocate for realness and advocate for your favorite word. Oh, don't you say I it. I won't say don't it. Don't say it. You can, you can Organic. tweet. Organic. Oh. <laughs> All right. I see the Let's flag get, man right now. He's got that flag. popsicle stick up in the air pointing. He's about to unfurl that white flag. Keep coming, bud. White flag, bud. White flag right there. White flag. White flag. White flag. Listen, I, I've been saying this every week on this white flag segment, but I'm going to actually, now that Dale's not here, I've got a little bit of liberty. The boss is gone. We're not wearing clothes in here. You don't know that because we're not on TV. <laughs> Uh, the boss oh, is gone. That's a bad visual. Right. <laughs> you uh, watch our numbers dip at the like. Right. <laughs> right at the white flag. It's, it's neck a day at Junior Motorsports. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> uh, the boss is gone. But um, I want to tell you something about this book. Uh, DaleJr.com forward slash book is where you can go pre-order this thing. You're going to be blown away by it. I, that, I wanna, here, I'm anxious I, to read it. I, let me read you. That there's things. This is what you're going to be blown away by. And it's so hard to say this when Dale Jr. is in the room, which is why I'm taking advantage of this. Uh, because he probably won't like the fact what I'm about to say. So Dale Jr. in this book empties out his notes from his phone. And what's going to blow you away, Dillner and Schultz, is that these notes go way further back than what you thought they do. This isn't just started in 216. It started way before that. And it started during a season when you would have not assigned concussion symptoms to him, okay? So you're going to be like, oh, I remember that race. Oh, wait, he did well in that race. Why is he having this stuff? And, and these notes are so raw uh, and I'll uh, unpolish. I mean, they're like just the misspellings and everything are in these notes, right? Let me read you a paragraph regarding the notes that are in this book, okay? This is a paragraph out of the book, uh, Racing to the Finish. At first, I don't think I even really understood why I started doing it, as in documenting these notes, right? This sounds morbid, but when I look back now, I realize that what I was doing was leaving a trail for others to discover in case something happened to me that kept me from being able to tell them myself. Wow. That's just a paragraph out of this book. Dale Jenner's whole reasoning for this book and for the notes that he was taking, actually, was in case he didn't, in case he was incapable of saying what happened to him or what he was feeling all this time. He wanted to leave a trail. Get some of that, right? Yeah. That's something. So I will say it again, DaleJr.com forward slash book. This is a great gift to get your wife so uh, right, for her right birthday. Now you can pre-order. For her birthday. You can pre-order book. now. You can pre-order for her next year. You will have already done her taking care of her birthday for next year. And so what you claim to be so bad at, you will have Not already anymore, I'm fixed. Good. You would have fixed. Yeah, you would already been taking care of next year's birthday. Honey, I got you some something for your birthday. Oh, flowers? Dale Jr.'s birthday. Racing to the finish. Racing to the finish. It's got to be racing themed if it's in the Dillner household, right? <laughs> it's got to <laughs> be. Uh, so that is the book. Um, also, of course, we're not on NBC Sports Network this week, but have you guys seen how week. much it's been re-aired on NBC? Yeah, SN? dude, it was like during the rain delay. Our Dale Jr. download is on the weekends as like well. It. We're rain film, man. Yeah, we're rain film. <laughs> I've always wanted to be somebody's backup. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways that's it oh, and i would say you know of course follow us on social media um dirty mo media is on uh, twitter facebook instagram and youtube i saw you've been swiping up a lot swiping up on instagram not swiping not right, swiping right. Swiping i don't up. even know what swiping right what right is what does swipe on, right do schultz that's tinder well on instagram doesn't do nothing but tinder oh that's, so we can a- so we can go on dates if uh, how we many followers right? do we need on instagram to get to get a swipe right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. 20,000 
20 to 20,000. Okay, people, if you're listening to this and you don't follow our Instagram, do it. Uh, you know, we've developed some really good behind the scenes content. You know, Mike Davis was along with Dale in, in Chicago, and this isn't PR crap that you see on um, a lot of social media content. This is some real stuff, man. So uh, go check it out. I invite you to. And if you want to be a social media person for Dirty Mo Media, what's your what's your home number, Schultz? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just call Schultz at home, preferably late at night. <laughs> Swipe right. Although this Schultz. morning, this morning I texted him at six thirty in yep. the morning, like about something about DBC, and then I realized I was like, "Oh crap, he's probably not even up." Do you have he, a girlfriend? Not yet. What do you mean, not yet? I mean, like, are you oh, still, are you still trying right. to, are you still trying to right decide? On, or what's the holdup? Everybody yeah, swipe right eventually. on Schultz. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I mean, I've seen your social media stuff. I mean, you're, you got a lot of females in your pictures. I've seen Correct. this. I mean, candidates. The field. are they candidates? candidates? Man, they're, what a they're, problem you uh, have. I mean, this is just, I, you got I was, so many. I was going to say something that I should. You got so many to pick from. I'm telling I you, know. just all over the place. Fine, they're man. flocking to you. I know. It's was, great. Was it when you became a part of Dirty Mo Media yeah, that it just, exactly. it just like a lot? my profile on Twitter. Though, I knew like, it. Taking off. Good luck to you on that as you play your game. Thank you. <laughs> Good luck on your game there, Schultz, as you just play with their hearts and emotions. <laughs> all these girls that are just wanting to be Mrs. Schultz. Yep. Good job today, Skinny Donor. Thank you, Donor. <laughs> Skinny Donor. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to the Dell Jr. Download. Dell Jr. be back in studio next week. It'll be good to have him back. And you can get back in your seat, Dell Get back Go in your, your hole. Seat. Go back to Go your to seat. Go to your hole.